Okay, so this is going to be my practice for tomorrow. I just finished a draft for my sermon tomorrow. And the thing to say is that I have not a lot of battery left. <laughs> 46% before my uh, laptop battery dies. So I just need to get this through. I just need to practice at least once through my text. Uh, and I was actually hoping against hope that if I finish this, I could go and watch Top Gun, but it's too late for that. I think I missed the showing already. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> for what it's worth, here's my dry run of a draft that's not finished, but I just wrote in preparation for tomorrow morning. Okay, here we go. So we are waiting for three things to happen today, and then we can go home. We can go to Pankau. Three things. <laughs> we are waiting for the world. We are waiting for our hearts, and we are waiting for God. Three things the world, our hearts, God. Yeah, think you can remember that? Yeah. My, by the way, my name is Calvin. And after today, you will never see me again. I'm going back to Malaysia, leaving the UK after 26 years. So this is hello, but this is also goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for letting me join you for the first and last time this Sunday. And we're waiting for the world. This is verse 1 of Genesis chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And here we see the waters going down, down, down. That's what it means to recede. It goes lower and lower and lower in verses 1, 3, and 5. And here we're waiting for a really, really long time. <laughs> it's... 10 months by verse 5, and that's actually the whole year by the end of the chapter. Just waiting for the water to go, going lower and lower and lower. And go, ah, you know, can't this chapter go any faster? A lot of my sermons are like this, by the way. <laughs> but what triggers this waiting is God, verse 1, remembering Noah. God remembering Noah. Is this one personal act of salvation resulting in one cosmic change in circumstances. God remembers Noah and then everything changes. Imagine, imagine God wanting to save you. Little old you, just, just, just you. And then he stops COVID. Mm. Or God hearing your prayer and then stopping a war. It's that kind of impact, that kind of scale that the Bible is saying our salvation has on the whole universe. 73 times this happens in the Old Testament. 73, 73 times God remembers someone <coughs> and then saves them in this very spectacular, miraculous way. He remembers Abraham and then he saves Lot. This is Genesis chapter 19 from the burning sulfur, or he remembers um, Israel, saves them from Egypt. Again, very huge scale. And what it's saying is that your salvation began in God's mind. Okay, I'm going to love this person. I'm going to save this person. And God moves mountains to make this salvation happen. Yeah, you follow that? But also what we see here is the whole world kind of like changing before our eyes. We see the spirit hovering over the waters. We see the sea and the 
sky kind of like separating from one another. We even see the land and the sea separating. And all this, all this is Genesis chapter 1 language. It's God recreating the world. It's kind of like Genesis 1, he creates the world in seven days. But here it's not seven days. It's not even seven months. It's actually over a year. Meaning this kind of creation is very slow. Very slow. But you see, God is not creating earth 2.0. He's not starting from scratch. This new heavens, new earth, it's more of a renovated, <laughs> renovated earth, renovated heavens. Fixing something old always takes longer than buying something new. Isn't that true? You know, buy a new house, you know, straight away get the new house. But if you're going to renovate it, you're going to change things. It takes a lot longer, a lot more planning, a lot more execution. And that's what God is doing with this creation. He's kind of like renewing the creation. And it's a picture of what God is doing with us. He's renewing us from the inside out. And so sometimes that takes time as well. You know, some people, they want to change the world. They want to do something significant with their lives. Cure cancer, becoming prime minister, buy Bitcoin, that kind of thing. But God here just wants to save one man. And in the process, God changes the world. Just one man changing the entire world. Meaning at the heart of this huge change is this one relationship. So you guys who want to change the entire world, how is your relationship? Your relationship with God? Or even your relationship with one another? You know, uh, here it's saying that relationship is at the heart of God's change of his entire universe is planned for salvation. And if you want a verse to kind of like back that up, look at Romans chapter 8 verse 19. The whole creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Meaning the whole creation is saying, hey, we are waiting for you guys to be saved. And then only then can we be saved. There's this order in God's plan. He saves us first, and then He renovates the heavens and the earth. He, he saves you by thinking of you, or by loving you, just by putting you at the heart and the beginning of that salvation project for the whole universe. And that takes a lot of time, but that also changes everything. So that's the first point. The first point, you know, um, God changing the world and the world's waiting. Sorry, that's the first point. Second point, second point is Noah's waiting. Noah's waiting. And this is verse six. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided, had, had dried up from the face of the earth. So Noah sends a raven, Noah sends a dove. That's all that happens. So the question is, so we asked the question at the beginning of the service, and the question was this, how would you prepare for another lockdown? <laughs> and what kind of answers did you get during the discussion? Buy more toilet paper, that kind of thing. Genesis 8 is saying to you, make sure you have good internet. 
<laughs> that's that's what this business of the raven and the dove is all about. Make sure that you have a way of finding out what's going on in the world. For Noah, he has to send out all these birds to find out whether is it safe here, is it okay, and has a judgment passed by. But more than that, this sending out of these birds, these doves, and these ravens, it's symbolic of what's going on inside of Noah's heart. Noah's heart. You see the Hebrew word for dove is the word Hanoya. Hanoya. Sounds a lot like Noah's name. Hanoya. So whenever he sends this dove out into the, into the world, this Hanoya, he's essentially sending a little part of himself. He's essentially saying, I want to get out of this ark. I don't want to keep staying here stuck for over a year. He just wants it to end. He wants this lockdown to come to an end. And what we find here is a picture of restlessness versus rest. The raven is restless, flying back and forth, back and forth. But the dove, well, it starts out restless, but it finds rest. Verse 9, you know, she found no place of rest. That's in verse 9. But in the end, she leaves and does not come back because she's found that place of safety, that place of rest. And the contrast there is between the dove outside the ark and Noah who's still stuck inside the ark. The dove has found rest. The world has found rest. The ark is resting on top of Mount Ararat. But Noah is still restless inside of the ark. Do you see? You know, this is a picture of what's going on. This inside Noah's heart. The storm has stopped, but the storm is still raging inside of his heart. He's still restless. And in other words, Noah is kind of like Anakin Skywalker. You know, the one who is prophesied to bring balance to the force, but ends up joining the dark side. <laughs> well, Noah's name, did you know this means rest? It means rest. The one who's going to bring us rest from our turmoil, from this curse. That's why his father gave him the name Noah or rest in Genesis 5, 29. But here we find Noah the restful one restless. Again, there's that irony. He's supposed to bring us rest, but he is restless. Friends, what was the first thing you did after lockdown? Watch Spider-Man. That's me. <laughs> Eat McDonald's, also me. But what was the first thing that you did? You know, you had all these plans. You thought, oh, the moment I get out, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to that place. I'm going to get this thing done, make that change. You know, do this. I'll make, I'll make all these big plans. And some of us did some of those plans, but if we're honest, well, most of us kind of just went back to the way things were before. Isn't that true? Yeah, for most of us didn't follow through on those plans. And if we did, we just went back to our normal routines before lockdown. All those plans went out of the window. The first thing that Noah did, verse 20, he worshipped God. He worshipped God. Verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal, some of every clean bird, offered it as a burnt offering, as a worship offering before God on the altar. And that says something. The thing that brings Noah rest is not something inside himself, but something inside of God. The rest he's looking for is the rest that he brings towards God by offering up this worship. You know, so many people, you know, after lockdown, <clears throat> after watching 
Top Gun, after watching Doctor Strange, or every single Marvel movie, eaten everything their heart desired, done everything they wanted to do, gone to every place they wanted to do, they come back home and they still feel locked down. They still feel stuck. And it's kind of saying that what you're looking for, that fulfillment, that thing, that joy, that meaning, it's not inside of you. It's inside of God. Uh, there is a guy named Augustine who once wrote, Our hearts are restless until they can find their rest in you. It's a prayer. He's saying to God, God, I'm so restless, but it will continue to be restless until it finds its rest in you, God. That's what we say to God in our worship. It's all you. It's all Jesus. The reason we come together on a day like today, it is an opportunity to come out of yourself and to come into God, to come out of our own needs, our own wants, my own importance, and to find it all in Jesus and Jesus alone. And you can do this at home, of course. I'm not saying you can't. But just that act of stepping out of your home, meeting people who you wouldn't normally hang out with, maybe here in church, coming all the way from Cambridge to London and getting lost on the Piccadilly line at 8.30 in the morning, it's kind of like saying, this is not about me. This is not about my fulfillment, my importance, it's all Him, it's all Jesus. You are my rest. Noah, he wants to get out, yes, but he wants to get out to worship God, to give Him all the honor, to find His rest in Him. That's what I'm saying, and that's what we're doing here today. Final point, verse 13. God's waiting, God's waiting, verse 13. In the 601st year, in the first month, and the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the ground was dried. <laughs> By the way, do you know that 2022, that's the year, yeah, two, 2022 means 20, 2022 years since Jesus was born. Just how calendar works, you know, it's uh, 2,220, 2022 since Jesus was born. But verse 13 is saying it's been 601 years since Noah was born, since Noah was born. Time is being measured. The whole world's time is being measured against one individual. For us, it's Jesus. But here before Jesus is against Noah. Noah's birthday is the world's birthday. And he is 601 years old today. Today. And what he does on his birthday is he opens the door. <laughs> Lo and behold, it says, it's dry. It's dry, meaning it's safe. It's safe. You know, we can go and watch Top Gun right now. By the way, I'm writing this sermon <laughs> and promising myself if I finish it on time, I'm going to watch Top Gun in the cinema. By the way, it's too late already. I can't go. <laughs> but the thing is, Noah, who has opened the door, sees that it's safe, sees that it's dry, he still stays in the boat. He, he stays inside. The door is open, the ground is dry. He can see it with his own eyes, but he waits and waits and waits until he can hear God's voice with his own ears. This is verse 14. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out, 
Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. And what we see here is obedience. This guy does not do anything without God's word. By the way, Noah does not say a single thing in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. I wonder if you notice that. He doesn't say a single thing. But God says something, and Noah, he just does it. You know, Noah's a, Noah is a doer. He's an obedient guy. God says, build a boat. He builds a boat. God says, go inside the boat. He goes inside the boat. No questions asked. And here, God says, come out of the boat. And only after God says this, after two months of staring at this open door, Noah says, okay, now we go out of the boat. Everything that Noah does is about obeying God, pleasing God, worshiping God. And we already saw this in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. An altar is a barbecue pit. And on this pit, he took some of the clean animals and the clean birds, and he burnt it on this barbecue pit, this altar. And I was reading Charles Spurgeon, a pastor who wrote about this verse, and he said, common sense would tell you, don't waste this. <laughs> but grace told Noah to slay this. You know, Common sense says it's a waste to offer up this sacrifice. But grace says we should offer it up anyway. That's what he's saying. Meaning, sacrifice, worship, praise of God on one level does not make sense. You know, you save these animals. You need these animals to repopulate the earth. All the other animals are dead. You need every single one of these to repopulate the earth because they're only ones of the species that are remaining. But no, no, no. You take them, you chop them up, <laughs> put them on the grill, and you barbecue in the fire. And the smoke goes up, verse 21, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing or the restful aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. All this is building up to the fact that the world is at rest, Noah is at rest, Noah is saved, but actually God, God himself finds rest in verse 21. He smells this barbecue, this sacrifice. He goes, and in his rest, God says, never again will I kill everyone through the flood. And never again will I curse the ground. Meaning the unrest of God results in judgment, but the rest of God results in our salvation, results in our blessing. Never again. Will he curse the ground? So in summary, we looked at the world. We looked at Noah. We looked at, we looked at God. Uh, we looked at the world. So much unrest happening around the world. Uh, we looked at Noah. So much turmoil inside our hearts. But very few of us turn up today looking at God. Hey, what does God think when he looks at my sin? And God thinks something needs to die in place of my sin in order to get that rest that I'm looking for. You know, in Noah's case, the thing that needs to die are these animals. But for us as Christians, we know that the person who needs to die is the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He dies on the cross. He dies for our sins. And in a way, that death is pleasing to God 
in a way that no animal, no obedience, no amount of worship, no amount of money, no amount of offering, no amount of preaching can please God. Only Jesus is there can please God in this restful way. And therefore, what we offer up to God right now in our worship is not anything inside of us, but everything that is inside of Jesus. God, please look at His sacrifice and bless me. By the way, this is called the Noahic Covenant. This is the first covenant ever in the Bible. It's called the Noahic Covenant after Noah. And you'll see next week that uh, this is expanded in chapter 9. You know, with the rainbow, God gives the sign of this covenant. But here already, God gives another sign. And it's the sign of the seasons. The seasons, and this is verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And what it's saying to us is, as we experience the seasons, as we go through summer and then winter, as we go through you know, college and then work, as we go from singleness to marriage, as we go through these se different seasons of life, what we should be saying to ourselves is, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. This is God's grace. This is God's blessing to me in His faithfulness. When it's summer and it's great and it's warm and it's fantastic, I don't deserve this. When it's winter and it's cold and it's dark and it's depressing, you say, I don't deserve this either because I deserve something worse than this. Grace says it's not as bad as I deserve and it's much more than I deserve. Day and night, good times, and bad. It's almost like a marriage covenant. Good times and bad times, healthy times and sick times, death do as part. It's living each day thankfully before God, graciously before God, and not wasting any of the moments and the seasons given to us by God. And so we're back to waiting, to waiting. The world, our hearts, and God is waiting. Some of us are waiting for God to do something about the world, you know, do something about Ukraine, do something about here in the UK. Well, here it's saying that God changes us before he changes the world. God changes us before he changes the world. How is your relationship with God changed through the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the important thing to ask first before you think about changing the world. Some of us are waiting for that Fulfillment inside ourselves, whether for that job, for that relationship, that will make us feel truly alive. Ah, oh, now I'm happy. Now I'm fulfilled. Well, the question is, when you do get that thing, that guy, that girl, that plum job, will you really feel alive? Won't you just, you know, honestly, won't you just move on to another thing? Find another ambition, another thing that will give you meaning in life? You know, Augustine says, our hearts are restless and they'll continue to be restless until they find their rest in God. Have you found it? Not in your, inside yourself, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, God is waiting. And here it's saying that one day this waiting will come to an end. There is a judgment yet to come. He holds it back for now, but there is a judgment to come because Jesus is coming again, bringing with him judgment, but bringing with him the salvation that will bring about the new heavens, the new earth, and bringing us back 
to God. By the way, this is where my text ends. <laughs> so I don't really have a full conclusion yet. But I guess what I want to end with is to see how our lives now are, is a great wait. A wait for Jesus, a wait for a fulfillment. And if that's the end point that we're waiting for, it kind of like shapes the way that we wait for Him right now. Our lives ought to reflect the fact that this is not our home. That is the destination. And Jesus makes this wait now, these seasons, whether some of us are in happy seasons, some of us are in tough seasons, it makes all these seasons worthwhile because we're waiting for Him to bring us home to God. Yeah, it needs a lot of improvement. I agree, I agree. But, um, but yeah, that's what I have for what it's worth uh, after preparing tonight. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining me. This has been my draft my practice run of my sermon for tomorrow. It needs a few more illustrations. It needs a bit of typing up. It needs to be a lot shorter. But thank you for listening. Uh, do pray for me. In fact, I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your patience to us in Jesus. Thank you that we find our rest in Him. And in these moments, in these days, when we are waiting and we might be restless, help us all the more to find that fulfillment, that satisfaction in the cross where you look upon Him and bless us, where you look upon Him and not upon our sin. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.